You're listening to The Recovered Life Show, the show that helps people in recovery live their best recovered lives. And here is your host, Damon Frank. And welcome back to The Recovered Life Show. It's Wednesday, September 28th, 2022. How are you doing, Christina Dennis? I'm loving Wednesday. How are you doing, Damon Frank? What you got You're going loving on Wednesday? I, You <laughs> know what? I'm... I'm kind of loving Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to talk well, myself into it today. I just so everybody knows, there are certainly times that I would understand if you wanted to punch me in the face after I say that I'm loving Wednesday, <laughs> but I've grown into this person. I wasn't always this, you know, person who seized the day. So recovery does work. <laughs> oh, that is so great. I was going to use a show, a showbiz term. Christine, uh -huh. I was going to say, I need you to be 20% less enthusiastic. Yes. Uh, no, I, I love it. I love that you're enthusiastic today. Honestly, it took a little bit to get, to get moving today. It took a little it bit, did. which is, which is okay. Which is it? We're, you know, we're into the fall now we're into yes. the fall and, um, you know, I like it. I, I, I wish LA was more fall like though. I have to be honest. Right. I have a little bit of fall resentment. You Does do? that make sense? Yeah. You I have fall resentment. Fall. Yes. Yes. I do, I do too. Prior to moving to uh, Orange County, which is just south of LA for people who are not familiar with California or the Los Angeles metropolis, um, I I lived in Colorado. And so let me tell you, we had a real fall. I don't think we have that much of a fall, but regardless, the calendar keeps move, moving forward and there's nothing I can do about it. And I need to just get in with the spirit regardless. Well, we can fall on 110 degree asphalt. That's about <laughs> all we can fall on. You know what? Yes. It's like, because I got to tell you why I have fall resentment is I, you know, over the summer, you know, I, we went to the East coast and mm -hmm. I saw, and I could even see it then what it was going to be like. Right. Like yeah. people say, Oh, you should come. This is the worst time. You should come when it's, you know, snowing or you should come when it's fall. And we should like, I believe like the Midwest and the East coast, they have a real fall. Like we go to the pumpkin patch here and it's like 125, you know? Right. It's, right. it's horrible. And like, I just want a little bit of that, but it's just, sometimes it's not meant to be. Yeah. Legit. You can, you know, that guy that always wears cargo shorts, no matter how cold it is, you yeah. can pretty much think about the fact that those of us who live on this part of California, in this part of California, really end up being our equivalent of the cargo guy shirt, you know? Abso absolutely. Uh, what was it? Alligator hunter guy or whatever? He, just, you know, <laughs> know. he was always, before he got eaten by an alligator, God, what a, what a tragic story. But it oh has nothing God. to do with recovery or the show today. No, it doesn't. We need, we're digressing. Focus. Focus, focus, focus. Hey, real quick, I want to tell people before we jump into the topic, which by the way is amazing, if I it might is. add, it's amazing the topic. Um, I want to tell people about like, share, and following the show. I oh, know we yes. always say this. I know we always say it, but you know what? Listen, it's important to like, share, and follow the show. It tells the tech god in the sky that this mm -hmm. is worth li listening to. And you know, look, you might even save a life because we do a lot of serious alcoholism codependency, drug addiction topics, and somebody might be listening that is struggling. And if that's you, obviously reach out to us or someone, but if it's not you, you could help somebody that is right. So please like share and follow. Yeah. The numbers are staggering. 40% 
right? That's what they're saying. 30 to 40% just in this country. And that's similar in all countries. So yes, please. And also, like Damon said, leave us a comment so that we can bring to light some of the things that are bothering you. Uh, there's a lot that we've learned, but there's also a lot that we can learn from you. So please do keep doing that. We love it. Even if it's negative, we're fine with Even it because we are recovered from codependency. Oh, so completely. go ahead, leave it, leave it, leave the <laughs> negative comments. What I'm saying. I don't See care. what happens. <laughs> Nothing, nothing's going to happen. Well, let's get into this topic. I'm sure Let's do it. You've, you've never been rigid, right, Damon? Well, you know what? I wanted to have this topic about being too rigid in sobriety and recovery. I always mm -hmm. say recovery. I always say sobriety. Um, it's interesting because I, I wanted to do this topic, Christina, because I really felt that, you know, it's an issue. It is an issue it with is. people. Like people have it a hard time is. being too rigid. You wouldn't think so, but they do. Oh, and, and it's sneaky, right? Because we all need, like when you first start walking through sobriety, let's start with physical sobriety. You, we need to know how to save our own lives, right? We need these hard, fast rules. You don't drink no matter what. That's pretty rigid, right? It's pretty rigid. However, I think that's really, you know, for me, the only thing that's pretty rigid in my life. And it took me a while to get there because all of us like rules, right? We all like having a container, even wild, you know, drinking alcoholics are really looking for a set of rules to live their life by. And it's very, very easy to slip into rigidity without even realizing that we are. Well, I think, you, you know what? you talked about early sobriety and I think fear has a lot to do with this. I remember being just petrified yeah. that I would be walking down the street. I got sober in San Francisco. I thought I'm going to be walking down the street and I'm going to bump into a shot of Jim Bain or Jack Daniels. <laughs> like I really, like I believed that I was super, super paranoid Absolutely. about it. Right. And rigid. And I was scared and you know what? And I had a good reason to be scared. Right. Honestly, looking back, it was like it was a healthy kind of fear, but I didn't want to live there my whole life. Right. And I was afraid that I would live there my whole life because I did have to create some patterns that were very rigid in order for me to get physical sobriety for a period of time. So Christine and I aren't talking about that. Right. We're not no. talking about like you got to do what you got to do to be able to get there. But at some point, you also have to not be held captive by that. So, and take that and magnify it a hundred times if you happen to be a codependent. And, you know, truthfully, I believe um, I've never met a person recovering from substance abuse who did not have codependency rampant through their life. And that is a rule-based way to live, right? So, I will work with people, we will work with people that say, I did it right, I did it right, but the outcome wasn't that. And I end up having to point out over and over again to them and to myself, well, you know, nobody said you did it wrong. Those are the outcomes that happened this time. There is no guarantee, you know, that if you do A plus B, you're going to get C. I mean, there really is no guarantee. And so learning how to live with uncertainty is a major spiritual marker for all recovering people. 
Oh, I hate that. That whole unmanageability, no. powerlessness, uncertainty. I don't like that, honestly. And I think people believe, I know I believed that if I was very rigid and if I followed a strict set of rules or standards, that mm -hmm. somehow bad things wouldn't come to me or that things would, you know, that things would be perfect and without bumps or without emotional turmoil. But totally. in reality, what I found is that that's just part of life, right? Emotional turmoil, live things bad feelings, things happen, accidents happen, right? Being too rigid actually made it worse because what it did is it broke down the paradigm mm -hmm. of what I thought I was secure in, right? And it, what it did is it made me doubt that, right? Which, which wasn't bad, which mm -hmm. wasn't totally bad because it strengthened certain things. But I'll tell you, one of the things that Christina, and I, I, I would love your comment on this, is that one of the things I learned very on in working with others, right? Other people that were recovery. And I, I sometimes have worked with people who I'm just going to say it. A lot of other people don't want to work with. Right. Because they're, they're frequent relapsers or high risk, right? That kind of yes. stuff. Um, and what I learned was, is that even being too rigid there when there were big extremes, like, and I'm talking like if you divert from the path, you're a year or two in jail, right? Like that person, right. like there's big ramifications for this, right? Like homelessness, yeah, uh, consequences, consequences, big real life, hairy consequences. But even then there were exceptions to things, right? Like, well, I couldn't get this done because I got in a car accident and I got hit or I, you know, I had somebody got hit on when they were riding their bicycle, no fault of their own. They were just doing it right. They're just doing life. You do have to be a little, you have to be open and, and, and uh, two things, but you also do have to stay on a path. So it's a balancing. Don't you think it's like a balancing ball? And I hate oh. the word balance too. I, I know because it's a fallacy, right? But it is. It, it absolutely is. And this idea, it's, I mean, bless me. I really did have that belief, you know, do this. This is what happens. And I also had the reverse belief, which is when bad things happen to yes. me, it's because I'm doing something wrong. And a lot of my recovery has been being able to grow my spiritual mus muscles to tolerate uncomfortable situations and uncertainty. And that's frustrating. You know, that's very, very frustrating for people. But rigidity always hurts in my in my mind. And, uh, you know, I love the 12 steps, the 12 steps stay, uh, saved my life. But I find sometimes, uh, and you know, no shade, I'm not throwing any shade right now, but I find that sometimes there can become this group mentality that is incredibly rigid with, well, you know, you, you need to do this. That's what, that's why you're suffering. And I just don't think that's the whole story. I think that Yes, uh, doing our inventories is incredibly important, but so is trauma work. So is, you know, uh, uh, checking our feelings and learning how to become comfortable with them. So is processing. And it's never an exact science. You know, rigidity speaks of exactness. And that is a, I don't know, to me, it's a life killer. And I'm not trying to be dramatic, but I would have killed myself in sobriety with physical sobriety if people hadn't introduced the the word acceptance and explained to me acceptance doesn't mean you have to like it. You know, acceptance doesn't mean that you don't have feelings about it. And that's what really, really helped me is being. Damn, flexible. you threw some shade there. 
I know. threw some shade on 12-step groups. I don't even know what that means, but I it sounds really <laughs> good. It sounds good. So it makes it makes it takes 10 years off me right there using the word shade. Um, you know, you're right. I'm gonna say you're right. Uh people get stuck in 12 steps. And and this is this is not a criticism on 12 steps because it's not 12 steps didn't do that. No, the people and systems and the, the culture of where yes. you're at could do that. Right. And I know a lot of people who are stuck and are so rigid. I, I have been to groups where it's like, Oh, well, you know, Bob got a, Bob got a job where there's flex time and, you know, flex time's uh -oh. dangerous and we yeah. don't do flex time. We'll only work nine to five. I'm like, well, what if you have to work eight to four? Like, right. or what if you have to work eight to eight? Like, what if you only work? No, we can't do it. Like I have been around people like that. And I've been in groups, honestly, that have like that. And that's what gives, I think it's a bad rap. I don't see anything in the 12 steps that says that. Nope. Uh, I'm a pretty good, I'm a pretty good, uh, I could be a big book thumper when I want to be. I don't see anything there. That's an interpretation of it. But let me tell you what I think that does. Okay. I believe there's a place for that early on. You see this in transitional housing. Okay. Mm -hmm. Where people are, they maybe just don't feel comfortable or can't stay sober. Or the court says, hey, dude, you're not going to go out and live on your own. You've got to live right here. So mm -hmm. there, it'll be very, very, very structured. But I think that's fine. You know, and that's mm -hmm. needed to a certain degree. But if you so structure it, if it's so rigid, when real life comes on along, like right. when you park in the area that says it's fine to park in, but you go back to your car and you fed the meter and mm -hmm. there's a $125 ticket, mm -hmm. you break. You can't, you can't, you know, what happens is those people can't handle it. There's a death. Mm -hmm. They move the brand of coffee that they've got at the meeting. <laughs> Yes. L literally people freak out, right? Like the, the book cover changes or whatever, like the color I've seen this, I've seen this. They absolutely freak out. And I'm like, that's no way to live. That's no, no way to live. That's not 12 steps either, by the way. Right. I, I don't, I don't see that anywhere in there, but that that's what we're talking about. Being so rigid, you break. Yes. Yes. And I love that you distinct, distinguish that the actual, you call it spiritual technology. I've adopted that term because I think that's great. It, it literally says in the book that we only know a little bit about this and you have to go out and figure out what you need to do. And I, and I really, I mean, I want to, to be compassionate toward these people, but I also want to share, no, 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 that is not true. That is not true that this is the only way that you can live your life. And if you make a mistake, then, oh, there's something wrong with you. You know, you're, you're not looking at your stuff. You're not going to program enough. There's something going on. And I think this is one of the, the tenets of uh, the recovered life is to say, there's so much more out there uh, for us to learn. And nothing is really black and white. I, when I share it, cause I am a speaker, uh, you know, I will open any kind of speaking in a recovery sense that the only thing that I've been able to do in the last 25 years is not drink. Everything else has been a spectrum of somewhat successes and some failures. And I've learned from both of them. So well, because the drink Christina, and I think why it's different, why it is on a spectrum mm -hmm. is taking the drink for the alcoholic puts them on the path that they cannot recover. It's Correct. not so like codependency is a little tricky. And 
now now that we're kind of diving into this, let's call bullshit on some other stuff here. Okay. You and I deal a lot. We talk with a lot of industry professionals, right? Right. Therapists, you know, uh, the super systems psychologists, yeah, the, they don't have uh, the rehabs that have these systems that are good. You know, some of them are good, but they're un they're unrealistic when you're out trying to do it sober. A lot of these systems, I've noticed a lot of these systems come from people who aren't drunks. They're yes. not in recovery, right? <laughs> right? Like, so the fact, like I've had to, I've had people, you know, I've been on coaching teams with people where therapists have told me like, well, you know, they need to hit the 18 point system when they're feeling this or what. And I'm like, <laughs> dude, look, man, like speaking from a recovered alcoholic who is out there doing it, you, you ain't hitting an 18 point system. You no. either got to figure out how to click into that recovery consciousness in 2.2 and connect mm -hmm. to that Wi-Fi, or you're screwed. You ain't running anything. No, you know, no. uh, you're not running any system. You, you gotta have to know how to get there. Right. And yes. I think that this is, this is what rigidity does is it yes. actually keeps us from being able to wear as I, I wish I could claim this as a buddy used to say in an old Thursday men's night group, I used to go to wear your recovery, like a loose garment. Yes. Yes. I yes. can't drink, but I have to be pliable because life is unexpected. Things right. happen that are unexpected. Well, and I was told wear it like a loose sweater. Maybe that's because it was fashion, you know, was a great way for me to hold on to that. But just that statement allowed me to rest in my nervous system and move forward with options, with all kinds of options. And yes, I mean, this, I, I love therapists. I love therapy. I go to therapy. Oh, absolutely. We love you. We love you. Important. But yeah. if I don't have access to options, I will, I will take myself out. And I learned this in a really big way. So for all my mamas out there, you know, I'm a special needs mom. I share about it to the point that I think it matters in, for, for people in recovery. If I try to do everything that the experts told me to do with my son wouldn't be on this earth, wouldn't be here. So it is important that we get told sometimes you just live through it and you do it the best way you can. And in codependency recovery, I, I it hurts me and I so want to just be able to transfer my knowledge to them, you know, like my system to their system to look at the fact that, okay, you said something wrong. Oh, you slip back into controlling behaviors. The important part is to get up and try again. You know, it actually builds trust when you make a mistake within the relationship, then you own up to it. And the two of you are able to talk about it. It's not, it's never going to be black and white living. Well, you know where this comes from. I, I've actually nailed this down. I think where this okay. comes from. This does come from 12 step groups where in the beginning, when you come in, or mm -hmm. when you go anywhere, it could be a therapist, a rehab, uh, a coach, uh, a 12-step group. You walk in and things are an absolute dumpster fire, right? <laughs> yes. So the premise is that you have to let go and you have to surrender. Right. But, you know, we've had shows on this that most people want to cut a parlay. They Well, I'll do it if this happens or I'll do it. Right. Mm -hmm. So there is a process where you're trying to get, you're trying to surrender. And in the idea of that, I need to surrender is the idea that I've run my own life mm. and that the way in which I ran my life, which probably wasn't rigid, it was the opposite of rigid, right? 
It was Lucy isn't working. So right. now I have to, uh, I have to let go of that and I have to let somebody else run my life. Right. Mm -hmm. Which is a kind of a bad codependency thing in a, in a weird way. Like when yeah. we're thinking about that now, that's not what it says. No, yeah, I don't see anything in the literature that says, right. But, but this is the, what I'm just going to say, the cultural nomenclature of this is how it happens. Now, if you're in a good group, they tell you, yes, we're going to tell you what to do until mm -hmm. you're able to see what you should be able to do for yourself. A bad group is you're just going to do what we say that you're going to do and you're never going to divert from it or you're not sober. Right. Correct. So yes. it really depends on the people that you're around. That's why I think coaching is so important to have a good coach, even if you have a good 12 step group and you have a good therapist, because if you have a therapist and we're not doctors, so we're not prescribing anything or telling anybody this, mm -hmm. but if you have a therapist that wasn't an alcoholic, okay, they're seeing things different than if you have a therapist that was an alcoholic. Right. Well, and there are laws that preclude them from sharing that information with you. And, you know, I work with a lot of therapists as part of a team with somebody. And each one of us has a different perspective, different training, different tools that we bring. And if you're lucky enough, I mean, I really hope that as we start to recover out loud a little bit more, that most people will start to understand that it takes a team and that everybody deserves the support that they need, you know, you know whatever absolutely. works for them. You know, I was just babbling here, Christina, just told, we were uh -huh. just totally going on like 20 minutes into it. I forgot that we should do a break. So let's do a oh, quick break. Okay. Let's do a group. And when we come back, I want to talk, I, you know, I want to talk to the person who is right now listening. That is so rigid Mm -hmm. The people are like, dude, loosen up a little bit. Like coworkers, right. family are like, you got to loosen up a bit. L let's, um, let's talk to those people when we come back and give mm -hmm. them some really good tips and tricks yes. that they can actually deploy. So if this is you and you feel you're a little rigid in some area, hold tight, my friend. When we come back, we're going to be dropping some value bombs. So hold tight. We'll be back in just one sec. If you are newly sober, trying to get sober, or you've been sober for decades and are looking to take your sobriety to the next level, the Recovery Breakthrough six-week transformation concierge coaching program might be right for you. Have Damon Frank and Christina Dennis build a custom roadmap to get you on the path to getting what you really need. Receive hands-on concierge coaching and stay focused and productive with our daily check-ins. If you're ready to experience your recovery breakthrough and start the journey towards the transformation you deserve, book a free get to know you call today and find out what is possible in your recovery. To find out more about recovery breakthrough and to book your free call, go to recoveredlife.us. That's recoveredlife.us. You're listening to The Recovered Life Show. Right. Okay, I hope all these rigid people did not break. Yes. Between well, we were out. I hope you were able to hang on here. Well, this rigid person was. So, you know, I keep working on it. It's a practice, right? It's not. It essential. is a practice. And let's talk well, about that, Christina. 
Yes. One of the things that I love about when somebody starts discovering their rigidity is you can really see the lights turning on. And when we work with people, we start to question, what, why do you believe that? What do you think? And this is a really great tool that you can start today. And it is about agency of thought and recognizing that you have agency and being able to uh, see that the thoughts that are passing by, we are uh, assigning value as if they are facts. It's funny that facts aren't, feelings aren't facts gets sold a lot, but I want people to remember that thoughts aren't facts either, right? They're still coming from our perspective. And so I always work with people in something that I discovered through the ACT program, um, which doesn't have as much um, play as 12 steps, but it's really, really effective. It's called acceptance and commitment therapy. And one of the first tools that they tell you is to diffuse your thoughts. Um, look at them, question them, understand that you're just thinking them and that they aren't facts and they call it disfusion. And if you want to know what that is, it's like walk around in a circle in your living room telling yourself, I cannot walk around in a circle in my living room. And you'll realize that your brain is not factual, that there are thoughts that are coming up, that rigidity that we believe everything we think is true. Yeah. Well, pro, you know, uh, shout out to George Schneider here. I remember I called, you know, who we've had on the show, business and life mm -hmm. strategist. You know, we've had him on the show a bunch of times and he, you know, if I called George, I say, Hey George, man, I got, I got a problem with this. Like mm -hmm. I, this happened, this happened. And I remember, you know, over the summer, my central air went out when it was like 125. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, you know, I was going on and on and on. It was like, and he said, you know, Damon, he goes, uh, this isn't a problem. It's a fact. Right? <laughs> Problems without solutions are a fact. Your air right. conditioner is broken and you don't have anybody to fix it because there was like a huge, everybody wanted their air conditioner. It's a fact. Yes. So like, like, and you know, like, here's another thing that I've realized. I can't drink like my fellows. Right. That's a fact. Okay. Yes. That, that's just a fact for me. I've proven it. I don't need to reprove it again. There's facts. But the rest of it is... The rest of it is maybe there is a solution to it, right? So mm -hmm. like, I'm going to tell you one of the things that I see with rigidity with myself and others is the inability to be able to go outside my comfort zone. And this is how mm -hmm. I got out of uh, being this because people said, well, Damon, you'll walk up to anyone. You'll like go do shows and podcasts and everything. I've had clients tell me that. And I said, you know, dude, that's not me. Like, right. I, I want to hide or I don't, I don't want to <laughs> be seen or I don't want to. Like, I don't want, I don't want to let people know what I'm feeling. Like, it's just not how I'm built really. Like, mm -hmm. and I definitely don't want to tell people that I have unmanageability and powerlessness. Like <laughs> it's that's not just your favorite. a no-no for me. No, <laughs> it's, it's like, come on, dude, come on. Like, you know, <laughs> it's like the inside of me is just like, like yes, dying. Die. <laughs> yeah. But here's the deal. Like I've learned that you have to put yourself in safe but uncomfortable uh, positions. For example, going up to a party, knowing no one, walking up and saying, I like your shirt or I like your shoes or wow, oh. I heard you talking about this and being open to look if I'm rejected or, or whatever, like being open, just being open. Now I, I say, look, if you got four days, mm -hmm. don't go down to the local pub and do no. that. No. Right. Because that's not a safe place for you. But 
just doing that, being open to talk to people, you know, um, that that's a that's a big thing. Right. To just not have an expectation, just the pure connection of it all. Right. And and I I mean, look, some of the things that we learn are incredibly helpful, but knowing that that is not the end of the story allows us to be more flexible. It allows us to realize, okay, this was the outcome when I did this, but there are 15 different outcomes that can happen. So if instead of being completely results oriented, which is very hard for dopamine junkies, for the person that's on this podcast, it's really, really hard for him. (laughs) And it might be a little hard for me. And it has to do with understanding that I am going to experiment and see, rather than be results oriented, realize there are a million different ways to get it. And that really speaks of flexibility, which is, I think, what you say a lot. Well, yeah, you can't be, you you also have to do this. You can't be this or that, right? Mm -mm. You can't be black and white. Sometimes it's nothing. Like I'll tell you a story. I was, I was, I was coaching somebody who had an extreme resentment against people who were homeless, right? Mm. Like extreme, right? And it really had to do with fear. Yes. That they would be there, right? Because they had come from a, a, a place. And one of the things that we did is I would have them get a bunch of money, like to, not a bunch, like $20 of money, right? In like mm-hmm. ones and fives and stuff. I'd say get $5, get a bottle of water, mm-hmm. go out and give it to the person in front of 7-Eleven. Right. And, but when you give it to them, look them in the eye and say, Hey, my name's Bob or whatever. Like, how are you doing today? And have a conversation with them and ask them like, are, are you okay? Like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, be encouraging to them. Right. Like they say, you know, and, and he, it was funny because fought, fought, it was so rigid, like mm. would never do it outside of his mouth. But it was interesting through the process of doing this. When we started having conversations on it, I realized it was like, he was like, you know, oh man, I like, I hope that person's okay. And like, uh, oh, I had no idea they actually had a job, but we're just in this situation or they had a death and I had had a death of a parent. Right. Like, right. so they, it, it, it allowed to break down the walls so that his world would get a little bit bigger. So every time he walked into a situation, it wasn't, oh, this, you know, this panhandler's out to try to ruin my life. It was all about how they were out to try to ruin his life and about how they were not human. And he, and he was right. Yes. And that all dissolved. And it's funny through that dissolving was the ability to be able to connect with other people that he was having a hard time connecting with. Yes. Yes. And I love that you brought up fear because fear is, and, and it does say this in our beloved 12 steps, you know, fear is public enemy number one. I know it says resentment, but, you know, it, it codependency, if you are adult child of an alcoholic, it's called abandonment. But I think it's all called fear underneath it all. And othering people is one of the ways that we stay safe in our own mind, but it absolutely makes us much more uh, vulnerable and much more open to bad things happen when we keep ourselves enclosed. And if if anything you hear from this show, I hope that you hear that uh, with the rigidity that you were either taught or it's a trauma response or you kind of took it a little further when you first started getting sober, 
it's it's going to keep you from living the best recovered life that you can have. And I and I say it not in judgment, but as a compassionate uh, belief system that being open, wearing it like a loose garment is the better way. Yeah, I love that. You know what? I almost you know what I want to do now? Because you what? introduced the word power move earlier in mm-hmm. the earlier show. I think yes. I want like a I want like anytime you say these like really cool things that are golden, I'm like, that's golden. I want to go like, you know, oh gosh. I want I, I, I want to have like an air horn go off or like power move. So people will Stay pay away attention. From the button. <laughs> so people will pay attention to the actual power move. That was really that was golden. That was yeah. golden. And that's really what it's about, you know. Um, I'm gonna give another little tip here, Christina. Okay. I'm gonna give it another little tip. I think. I think that everybody in recovery, here's something that I've learned that I can't, I can't even get it out. I got to get it out of my mouth. Sometimes my, you know, my, my brain moves very fast. That's one of the things yes. in recovery. I've had to slow down a little bit because little I'm a fast thinker, right? Mm-hmm. I'm a fast thinker. But one of the things that I think is that these uh, letting go, and this is something with your setting healthy boundaries. Yes. Most of the people would say, yeah, we're too rigid because we have all these recovered codependents that yes. went to Christina's setting healthy boundaries room. <laughs> and now I can't, you know, if I breathe and it's out of the out of my left nostril instead of my right, I'm in trouble. Right. No, like, <laughs> but I, I, I will, I, I, no, it's not like, it's not that bad. It's kind of, it's not. Um, but I think, I think the thing is too, is that we're talking about being, we're talking about being open, but I think as recovered alcoholics, you regress if you're not moving forward. Right. And I think a lot of the times um, when we go through uh, emotional turmoil and look, mm-hmm. we've both been through emotional turmoil. Yes. I know in the last couple of weeks, we both called each other and go, man, dude, like this is just this sucks. This feels mm-hmm. like this feels bad, this whole thing. And I, I think we try to avoid that. We try yeah. to avoid it. Of course. And I think by avoiding it, we're trying to put ourselves in a box and we can't grow. So I'm trying, like one of the things that I've been doing with myself is I've been trying to eat my own dog food. Like what I tell Mm -hmm. my clients, it's like, look, if there's going to be emotional turmoil, let it come. Right. Don't try to resist so much. Like don't act out and freak out. Like, you know, but don't try to like move your life around that you're not going to have a bad feeling that you might be overbooked or overchallenged or, you know. Uh, a little scared that you're in a relationship with somebody who's maybe smarter than you or, right. you know, a bigger place, a little bit more full out. Don't stop running from that and avoiding and dodging it. Let it come in and pass through you and let it, let it do its thing. And you do your thing, right? Yes. Instead yes. of running all the time, because I think what this does is it makes you be more rigid. And mm-hmm. I'm just going to talk from me. It made me be t- more rigid. It's like, you know what? No, I'm just going to feel it. I'm depressed. Okay, I'm depressed. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to, you know, I just acceptance. I'm depressed. I'm not going to be yeah. depressed forever. I'm going to learn everything I can. I'm going to do everything I can while I'm depressed. Right. But it is what it is. And I don't have to try to freak out and click into some sort of weird system that's going to make me avoid every emotional reaction I might have. 
So, so true. And fear is what robs us of actual experiences. It lies to us and tells us we're not going to live if we go down that road. But I found in my own personal history that the energy that I was spending to protect myself was actually harder than just feeling the feeling and walking through it. And unfrozen trauma, because fawn is a trauma response, right? Uh, unfrozen trauma hurts in the beginning. But if you've learned the steps to take care of your nervous system, if you have the people around you that will provide a little safety and allow you to feel these feelings, if you accept that you're going to feel pain, anger, frustration, jealousy, uh, and not act on it. You're just going to feel it. It goes through you and it leaves. I can't hear you. Okay. Sorry. That was a little technical right. issue there. Yeah. I, I don't think, I think we should end the episode on this because I don't think you could, I don't think it could be said any better than that. And, right. you know, I just, my final thought with anybody that's out there listening you know, take safe risks. If you've been sober for a little bit and you need to challenge yourself, challenge yourself. Stop right. running and avoiding things because it's just going to make you more rigid. And eventually you're going to get to a life situation where you're going to break. And that is the dangerous spot for people mm -hmm. that suffer from addictions. They let it build. They let it build. They let it build. They feel that they're being so rigid is protecting them. But really, it's not. R really, it it's not. It's setting them up for when something happens that is outside that boundary that will be protected by that boundary, they're going to mm -hmm. crumble. So yeah. we hope that that is not you. Yeah. And boundaries are not walls. Boundaries are the bridge between you and somebody else and how each of you shows up in this relationship. And so that's something to remember. And we'll keep talking about it more, but I love what you finished with, Damon. I think that's so true. Rigidity hurts. It does. Okay, guys, this is going to conclude our episode of the Recovered Life Show. Everybody go out and live your best recovered life. We're going to see you on the next episode. Final thoughts, Christina? Uh, wear it like a loose sweater because it's fall. It is fall. Wear it like a loose fall sweater. Bye, guys. <laughs> go out and live your best recovered life. Bye. Keep the conversation going. Join Recovered Life, a community of like-minded people who are looking to live their best recovered lives. Membership is free, and you can apply at recoveredlife.us.